Father, again, we thank you so much that we have the blessed assurance in Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul also says in his word, Lord God, that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And this is uh, one of the reasons that we can rejoice even in this new year. So, Father, we walk confidently, not in our own selves, not in our ability, not in our intellect, not even uh, according to the things that we know about you, Lord God. We walk in the confidence because we are in relationship with you and you are real. And you have saved us. That is our confidence. Now, Father, as we turn to your word, we pray that you would help us to focus on your word. Help us to consume your word, Lord, and to grow upon your word and to walk in obedience according to your word as well. Again, Father, we want to say that we love you. We thank you so much that you have allowed us again to be in the house of the Lord, uh, to be among the living who give you worship, who exalt your name, Lord God, who glorify you all at the same time. Again, may you be pleased by our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few messages ago, I preached a message about John the Baptist, who not only called many to repentance, he also baptized him. Also, as you recall, uh, he baptized Jesus Christ. But he could not call Jesus Christ to repentance because Jesus was already holy. Amen? But yet, Jesus insisted that John the Baptist would baptize him in order to fulfill all righteousness. Yet this was a ministry which John proclaimed. He says, prepare the way of the Lord. And that is one mightier and more holy than John would arrive on the scene to do God's bidding on the earth. In fact, in Mark chapter 1 verse 3 it says this. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. We recall how John didn't even think that he was worthy uh, to baptize Jesus, let alone to even untie uh, the, 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 the shoestrings of Jesus' sandals or his shoes. Because he even thought that was, was too much for him. Nevertheless, Jesus allowed himself to be baptized by John in order to do what? To fulfill all righteousness. Uh, baptism was necessary both for John and for Jesus to fulfill all righteousness. Turn with me to John the Gospel of John, chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. John, chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Jesus opens the door to ministry because jealousy was hot on his heels. John, chapter 4, verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, right? Verse 3, 
He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. Jesus and baptism. Baptism is important to the beginning of this message because uh, it was the reason Jesus left Judea in the first place. I'm not sure if you remember what the geography looks like there in Israel, but you know that Judea was down south and Galilee was up north. But Jesus was not baptizing folks. Isn't that fascinating? But his disciples were baptizing people. So it's interesting that uh, even though John the Baptist was baptizing folks, Jesus came on the scene and says, I am the one uh, that can give you life. He did not stop baptism. In fact, Jesus said that one day that he would depart from this earth. And he would depart from this earth and he had commissioned the disciples to go and make disciples, right? In, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. You've already heard this. But Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says to go make disciples and to baptize. So even though, as we know, baptism is not a requirement for salvation, it is a command by Jesus to us uh, to be publicly connected and to publicly recognize him in our life. But nevertheless, we see here in our passage that Jesus fled Judea because there was this religious establishment who were trying to pick apart the ministry of Jesus, anyone that comes on the scene, not just Jesus, but anyone that would come on the scene and say that I have the way in order for you to live, I have the way to God, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, uh, they would all come together and they would begin to go after them so Jesus was no different. But Jesus, even though he realized his aspect of baptism, uh, he did not baptize himself. So he fled because of the religious establishment. So Jesus, he travels, he goes from Judea up to Galilee, he goes from south of Judea to north to Galilee. And we know that typically uh, the quickest way from point A to point B is in a straight line. Uh, but many of the Jews, specifically many of the stricter Jews, uh, they didn't like to go that straight line from Judea up to Galilee. Why? Because in order to do that, you had to pass through Samaria. They didn't want to go to Samaria because uh, they didn't like uh, the people of Samaria. Because the people of Samaria, uh, they were claiming to be partially Jews. Because if you were partially Jews, that means if you were clean half of the time and unclean 
the other half of the time, that would make you unclean all of the time. So these strict Jews, uh, they didn't want anything to do with these Sumerians. In fact, listen to uh, what one of the rabbis said from the first century concerning the Samaritans. He said this, and I quote, He that eats the bread of the Samaritans is like the one that eats the flesh of swine. You say, what's the big deal about the flesh? I eat bacon all the time. Yeah, well, you may eat bacon all the time. You may eat ham. But for those who were of the religious sorts uh, from, uh, from the Jewish community, that they themselves despise swine, anything, any hogs, any pigs, any unclean animal, they would not eat because it was unclean. So this rabbi said, if you were to even eat the bread of the Samaritans, it was like eating the flesh of a pig. Pigs were super unclean. And the rabbi and many of these strict Jews felt the same way about Samaritans. So for these stricter sorts, the Pharisees, it's quite strange to see or to hear a Jesus traveling through this territory of Samaria. But isn't it interesting that it was strange to take the shortcut and normal to take the longer routes? The woman, the well, and Jesus. The woman, the well, and Jesus. Let's go down to verse Seven, please. I haven't forgotten about the other verses if you're wondering. Verse seven, please. John chapter four. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Here it is again, and we already got the background. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritan. That was a parenthetical. That was uh, John the writer making a statement uh, explaining why uh, this woman would say what she would say. Because Jews didn't want nothing to do with the Samaritans. So this woman, she came from Samaria to draw uh, water at the well. The well was a place of life. It was a place where you could find a life-giving and life-sustaining water. It was a place for life because uh, people could get fresh water to drink for themselves and their animals. They would go, they would water their animals, they would go uh, get water to wash their clothes. You need water to live. Well, aren't you glad that we're fortunate that we don't have to leave the house to get water every day, amen? Especially after the week that we've just had. I know my father used to tell me stories how uh, they had to get water or if they had to go to the restroom when they were younger, uh, that if it was cold outside, regardless of how you felt, you had to go outside to take care of a little business. And for that, I can say, thank you, Lord, for modern conveniences. But these wells, they had to be 
uh, dug out by hand. And the land was typically owned by someone who had a certain claim on the land. Now John chapter 4 verses 5 and 6. So he, that is Jesus, came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. So Jesus, he decides that he would stop and rest at the well that happened to be the well that Jacob had owned and had passed down to his sons. So this woman, she comes out to draw water. You know, there was nothing extraordinary about that. When people get water, they get water. So generally, there's nothing extraordinary about that. But the fact that she wanted to get water, uh, it says there, at what time of day it says, at the sixth hour. Where when is the sixth hour? The sixth hour is noon. You see, hour number one starts at 6 a.m. So for there, you calculate uh, all the hours from that point forward. So the six hours was 12 noon. And so she came out to get water at, at noontime. Some of you may be saying to yourself, okay, so what's the big deal about that? It was noontime. The lady was thirsty. Let the woman get a sip of water at noon. Before we go there, notice this. What is the woman's name? What's her name, right? Oftentimes, for a period of time, as we read through a scripture, oftentimes a person's name is, uh, is hidden from us for a period of time, sometimes all the way through the story. And it's hidden from us because uh, the, uh, the writer wants us to focus on the content of the conversation and not the person's name. It's not that the woman was unimportant because she was very important. You see, uh, the one person's name that we see through here so far is one name. And what is that one name? Jesus. So that tells us that the important figure uh, in this passage is who? It is Jesus. So Jesus is the important figure here. But going back to this well, uh, most people don't draw water from the well at noon because it's too hot. But in fact, even if you did decide to draw water uh, from a well, regardless of what time of day it is, especially for women, a woman would not go to the, the well alone. She would not go to the well by herself. She would always go with a group of her buddies in order to get water. Well, ladies, you know what, I what I'm talking about. If you've... Uh, uh, been in some of the environments I've been in, one thing that you know, gentlemen, is that oftentimes when you're in certain uh, environments, you know, uh, at least this is, this is what I heard, right? Uh, ladies, uh, when it's time for the ladies, if, for instance, you're in a nightclub, right? How many of you ladies have been in a nightclub before, right? Don't raise your hands. Uh, we're not, but in any case, if you've been in a nightclub, oftentimes when it's time to go to the restroom, you will typically take a buddy with you, won't you? Right? It may be two or three, you're going together to the restroom. I wish I would ask Pastor Scott to go to the restroom with me. I wish I would. If I ever did that, you make sure you check me right away because you know something wrong with me. Amen. Amen. I never asked him. He better not ask me either. Unless he's not feeling well. In that case, I'll send Elder Davis with him. 
Amen. So she should have uh, gone uh, to this well with her buddies. But she was all alone. All alone. Why? Because we think that she was trying to avoid other people because of a lifestyle that she had led. Let's look at uh, John 4, verses 16 through 18. And this is the conversation that goes beyond what we're going to deal with today, but nevertheless is important for this particular point. So John 4, verses 16 through 18 says this. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, uh, 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 I ain't got no husband, Jesus. Jesus said to her, you're right. You are right in saying I have no husband. Verse 18, for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband so what you said is true so Jesus says that not only have you had five husbands but you're currently with a man that's not your husband sister you got a problem so when we put all this together it implies that she was avoiding other people because uh, she was not well thought of because of her openness to men. So Jesus, he wants water from this woman. We read there in verse 7, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Jesus commanded her to give him a drink of water. And, and again, when we dig into the original language, we find out that the word give, that this is a command. Uh, so did Jesus say, give me a drink of water, woman? Right? Did he say it that way? This is what we call uh, a command of request. For instance, if your child is, if you're at home and uh, you're trying to, you left a sock on the floor and little Johnny or little Jenny uh, comes past, you tell them, right, give, me, give, give me that sock right there. On the one hand, that is a command, but that is more like a request, right? So Jesus is more or less, uh, it is a command, but it is more or less like a request to this woman. Some church fathers suggested that Jesus was not even thirsty at this time, Right? That he was simply setting up a situation so he could share the good news. And, and the rationale is simply this. If, if Jesus is God, that means that God does not need water because God does not become thirsty. So if God is never thirsty, he would never ask for water. Therefore, Jesus was never thirsty. But we already know that that's slightly problematic because we are familiar with the hypostatic union. The fact that Jesus is both God and he's man. Uh, Jesus is man and he's God uh, both at the same time, which tells us that Jesus also had human needs. The fact that later on in this chapter, uh, disciples, uh, they went out to get food also connects us to this as well. Okay, Jesus, he asked for water on the one hand, right? And now the disciples have gone out to get food on the other hand. And then, but uh, nevertheless, if we go back and we look at verse 6 here in this chapter, 
Right? If Jesus is God and he doesn't need water and he doesn't need food, it says here, verse 6, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, there's that next word, says he's what? Wearied, which means that he was what? Tired. God doesn't get tired. Amen? People get tired. So Jesus' humanity was tired. They had been walking about six plus miles or so at that particular point. So he was tired. So what is true then? Is it that Jesus is not God? Well, Jesus is God. So God doesn't need water. But is it true uh, that uh, uh, that, that this need that he had, uh, that sometime that, that this was actually real. Yes, this was also real. So uh, was it God trying to set up the situation or was Jesus really thirsty at the same time? And I submit to you that it was both. It was both. It was not one or the other. Somehow in the sovereignty of God and in the intellect of God, he works everything out together. Uh, somehow uh, that Jesus first, that it corresponds to, to God wanting to create this divine setup. And that's what I call it. A divine setup. A divine setup is a situation in the course of uh, ordinary life that God uses for the sake of his kingdom and for the salvation of people. It was a divine setup. Uh, you may have even found yourself in a divine setup before. Found yourself in a situation that you had to get out of or a situation that you had to minister in. I found myself in a divine setup two times this week already. And boy, it wasn't as for me, it wasn't as easy as this. Because when I sat back and I watched and I listened, I had to cautiously pray and think through unless crazy things would just jump off. God is faithful. Amen? So when we think of now, when we think of men and women relationships, especially in this ancient time, uh, women uh, were viewed as subservient and obedient without uh, anything to say or anything to do other than to say yes, yes to her man. Her man makes a request, she says yes. And I know uh, some of you guys, uh, you wish your wife would just say yes, wouldn't you? And if you need a lesson, just talk to me after church and I'll... Let you know how it's done. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? All right. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna give you a lesson. It's gonna. Be, it's gonna be called how to get to yes with your woman. Amen. Have the ambulance waiting outside because it might be a little problematic when I'm done. Amen. All right. So here's a woman that was at the well. In fact, some people believe that, number one, there, this was problematic for Jesus because here's this woman at the well by herself. He didn't know who this woman was. And Jesus walks up and now he's interacting in conversation with her. Some will look at that and say, Jesus was wrong. He should have never been. Number one, he shouldn't have been there with the Samaritan, number one. Number two, he shouldn't have been there with a woman, that he, especially a woman he didn't even know. But nevertheless, he says, woman, give me water to drink. And this woman, she responds in an unexpected manner. 
she asked this question. How could you, a Jew, ask me, a woman from Samaria, for a drink? What kind of nerve do you have? You have a lot of nerve, sir. Not even knowing what his name is, right? You have a lot of nerve, sir. You being a Jew, right? You, you, you get what she's saying, right? Because we've already had the background. You being a Jew, because you Jews think you are better than I am. How dare you ask me for water? So uh, the original language, uh, you can't see this in, in the English, but the original language says that you asking more. Right? I can see the woman now with the head shaking everything. You asking more for a drink of water. Uh, there's this word, Emoi, that is used there to indicate the emphasis on herself, saying that you have a lot of nerve. You Jews that you don't even want to touch Samarians. You don't even want to go into a Samaritan's house. You don't want to even be around us, even with a 10-foot pole. And then now you have the nerve to ask me for water. What is she saying? That means I have to touch the cup. I have to draw the water. My finger may get in the water and everything. And you're asking me, you have a lot of nerve. Who do you think you are? Now all of a sudden, these Jews want me to get them a drink of water. Get it yourself! That's what some of you would have said. This is why it's important that we never judge a whole group of people based on the actions of a few. You see, prejudging people always sets us up for misunderstanding in conversation and in relationship. Just think about it for a moment. This woman had refused to engage in conversation with Jesus that it could cost her her salvation all because she thinks she knows everything. Who knows? Sometimes when you prejudge, folks, you just might be right. But what if you're wrong? If you're wrong, then you may have missed an opportunity of a lifetime. In fact an opportunity of an eternity. Sometimes we believe we know everything when we know much less than we think we know. Sometimes we believe we know everything when we know much less than we actually know. John 4, verse 10. John 4, verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, right? She doesn't call him Jesus. She doesn't call him Messiah. You see that? She doesn't know his name. Right, in other translations, it will say Lord, because I think the word is kurios, or something like that. Uh, sir, you have uh, nothing, and, and, and the word Lord is a common name, right? And, uh, a common title, I should say. Uh, anyway, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself. As did his sons, his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him or her will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him or her a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus told the woman, there's two things that you don't know in the midst of all your knowing this. Number one, you don't know the gift of God, number one. Number two, uh, you don't know the one who was talking with you. Because if she knew those two things, her conversation would have been totally different. You see, whether warranted or not, uh, this is the downside to prejudging or being prejudiced. A person, you see, when you prejudge a person before you had a chance to hear them out, because you can miss some things along the way. So Jesus was trying to tell her, you are about to miss out on a great opportunity if you prejudge me not knowing who I am, thinking I'm just like everyone else. Have you ever missed out on an opportunity because you prejudged someone? Could have. So if she would have positioned herself properly, she would have received living water. This living water, as we know, is eternal life uh, because it satisfies the soul to the point of never experiencing thirst again. Uh, have you ever drank water to the point that after you finished drinking, you wanted more? The water we drink on a daily basis is that which sustains our life. Without water, we know we would no longer survive on this earth. But one of the things that we know that regardless of how much water we drink, it can only take us to the point of non-existence. So you can drink all the daily requirements of water every single day, all of your life. But at the end of the day, drinking all of that water will get you one place. I believe that even in the process of drinking water, that God has designed that as a lesson for us. Every day when you take a drink of water, that you should actually think about Jesus. That every day that when you thirst, it shouldn't be, I'm thirsty because it's hot outside. I'm really thirsty for the Lord. I better drink some water. Uh, but on the other hand, I should thirst for Jesus Christ. <laughs> so regardless of how much water we drink, it would only take us to the end of our, of our biological lives. Could there be water which sustains us beyond that? This was something the woman never considered because of her focus uh, of only getting her immediate needs met. And her focus only on the Jews and not all, only on the God. You see, folks, we can't use shallow thinking to get deep things. We can't use shallow thinking in order to obtain thinks, th uh, deep things. Uh, the woman told Jesus, wherever you get that water from, you won't be able to access it because uh, the well is too deep even for you. 
You're talking about this deep water. You're talking about this water, this living water, but it's too deep for you. In addition, you don't even have a bucket to get the water with yourself. You see, this is what she was saying in verse 11. She was saying that that water goes away. You're talking about living water. Look, 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 Jesus, I'm at this well. I got a bucket. I can get me some water. You don't have a bucket, and you're talking about another well. What are you talking about? This is shallow thinking coming from someone trying to gain access to that deep spiritual well. In fact, during this time, I'm not sure if you're aware, some of these wells could have been as deep as 100 feet in the ground. 100 feet. So since this didn't make common sense to the woman, it made no sense at all. And see, this is the, uh, the, the tricky thing for us about spiritual matters. We hear these things and oftentimes we try to take them on face value. But the problem for us, because we're trying to take them all on face value, we can't dig deep enough to get into that well to drink from God's well in order to quench our thirst. And I tell you, sometimes common sense is no sense. You can talk all the common sense that you want, but at the end of the day, your common sense is foolishness before God. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. 1 Corinthians 1, 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. You think you know it all? Uh, you think your common sense will take you everywhere? It will not take you into the deep things of God. So if you have lived in the shadow end all of your lives, then you have not explored the, think, uh, the, the deeper things, and you have not been able to find yourself content with living You ever wonder what happened to all the fish in the lake or the pond when it gets cold, especially like now? I mean, when it's, when, it's, when it's warm outside, sometimes you can see the fish swimming around, can't you? Even in the lake, you can see fish swimming around. And this is okay for most fish and causes no problems most of the time. But when the weather begins to get cold and the thermometer begins to drop during these winter months, especially when it's a freezing outside, what do these fish do? They go deep. Why? Because if they remain in the shallow part of the water, they would freeze to death. They would die. You see, there are times in our life where the normal is okay. There's other times uh, that uh, according to the season, uh, how God is directing us, God wants us to go deep. Because if we don't go deep, and if we remain shallow, we can't die spiritually in our hearts. God wants you to go deep. He wants me to go deep. So when you look on the top of the water, now uh, when it gets cold outside, you no longer see the fish. Where did they go? It's dangerous for sea creatures and people alike, unless you're a polar bear or a walrus. But the fish that remain, they depend upon depth 
for survival. There is a time when normal is good enough. But at this time for this woman, normal was not good enough that she needed to go deep. Those who don't recognize this, you understand that you may suffer for it. God wants you to go deep. What's preventing you from going deep? Is God calling you to the depths of his spiritual reality? What does this mean for you, God wanting me to go deep? This woman, again, and she believed that the well that Jesus was trying to access, uh, not Jacob's well, but in her mind, some other well, that it was too deep even for him. So she believed that it was he who was deficient and not her because at least she had a bucket. Talking all that spiritual stuff, all that God stuff, all that Bible stuff. Uh, you don't have any common sense. But it was, the, it was the woman. She was not able to go deep, not realizing her inability. Not realizing her ineptness. Not realizing her shortcomings or her fallenness before the Lord. So what is deepness? What is deepness? Specifically, what is this spiritual depth that I'm talking about? Well, deepness, it alludes to the wisdom or knowledge of an unattainable complexity out of which is out of reach for all of us without special help. What? Special wisdom or knowledge that is unattainable for all of us and it is out of reach unless we get help to get it. This deepness suggests boundaries and other matters beyond the capacity of one searching. So you can Google all you want to. You can listen to as many preachers as you want to. You can read as much of scripture as you want to. If you don't accept the reality of faith in Jesus Christ, you will never get to the depth that God had intended for you and for me. We could uh, therefore suggest deepness. Not knowing where we're trying to go. You can talk about deep. Have you ever heard those people you're talking to and they say, man, that's deep. Have you ever heard people like that? Oh, man, now, wait a minute. That's deep now. Not really knowing what true depth is. I call deep even as I was considering, uh, as I was working on this message the depth is after you have uh, consumed yourself with the word of God, now the Holy Spirit takes over. You see, I was doing all the digging that I could possibly do. I mean, I was digging, I was digging. I'm like, man, this is a lot, this is a lot, this is a lot. And then finally, you know what happened? After I stopped, and when I slept, the Holy Spirit began to teach me. He began to show me things in my understanding that I did not know, that I was not able to dig with my own hands, with my own intellect, with my own knowledge. Now, mind you, it was not that uh, when I got up, I wrote all this stuff down, and that it was something completely different from the Bible. It was the same thing. It's just simply I didn't know it. And the Holy Spirit taught me when I was laying prone. When I thought I was not even thinking about it, it was the Holy Spirit speaking in me. And through me. Hmm. So a deepness is not knowing where we're trying to go. What we're trying to do. 
or how we're trying to get there, we may not know that. Ecclesiastes 7.24 That which, is, which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? 1 Kings 20, verse 28. 1 Kings 20, verse 28. And a man of God came near and said to the king of Israel, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is a God of the hills, right? The Lord, that is, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, we know that is Yahweh, tetragrammaton, Yahweh. Because he is a God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys, therefore I will give all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Okay, what is, what is, what is that talking about? You see, uh, there were the Syrians, they were fighting against the Israelites. And they came to this conclusion, a faulty conclusion, that Yahweh, they, they said that the Lord himself, that he was God only of the hills. In other words, that, uh, uh, that, that Yahweh only ruled only in the high places. And they said, in the valleys, that belonged to us and our gods. But God sent this word. He says, because the Syrians have said, the Lord is a God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys. And here it is, the word valleys is the same root word for deep. In other words, they were saying that God is high in all his platitudes, but God is not deep. And because God is not deep, we will take that, we will take control over that. This will be our territory, not realizing that God was also deep, that God himself is also the God of the valleys. And not only is he God of the valleys geographically, but he's God of the valleys in your life. That God is the valley of all the depths and the complexities of your life that you can't seem to work out of. That it seems like God is not there. That it's dark. Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow, shadow of death, he says. David says there. In other words, I feel like I'm in this place that God is not. But God is in the deep as well. And for that, we can have confidence. We can have assurance. That in the depths of all the complexities of life, that God is there as well. So this woman back at the well, now in her quest to, again, disqualify Jesus from being deep, she asked him two questions. Why, where are you going to get this water from? And are you greater than Jacob, our father? Where are you going to get this water, and are you greater than Jacob, our father? And again, water we drink daily is good for now, but will not help us into eternity. Jesus said that water is good for now, but it is not good enough for the long run, for the long haul. This water is only good for our lifespan. Drink the water, and we must, yet we will thirst again. Drink the water of a deep well, and you will never thirst again. Why? Because it is not you who provided the water in the first place. Amen? 
This is why, you remember, uh, Jesus says that you don't know the gift of God early in the conversation. Remember that? So what he was saying, that uh, God is trying to give you a, 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 a gift of the water that comes from the depths of all spiritual things, and you can't get it yourself, lady. It looks like I don't have anything to get to the water, but you don't know the gift of God, and you don't know me. You should know the gift of the God, and you should uh, of God, and you should know me, because this, this is where you will get that satisfying water. This satisfying water must be given to us. There is no other way. If you want to find contentment and satisfaction in this year, you've got to go deep. You're not going to be able to survive in the shallow end of the pool. God says you've got to go deep with me if you want to be able to sustain, sustain yourself in the midst of all of the troubles that lie ahead in your life. The woman said to him, John 4, 15, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She realized that if this is the one that has uh, this water that I can never thirst again, she says she wants it. Surely, eventually, she will take of that water, of the depths of the spiritual things. But you also know that when you drink from the, the depths of the spiritual water from God, you know the struggles are not going to be eliminated. Don't you know that? You do know that, uh, uh, that uh, you will look up tomorrow and your bill is still going to be there. You do know uh, that you may have to help your kid with homework again. You do realize that, uh, that it's going to be cold outside and that you're going to catch a cold. That you may even catch the flu. Some people say, well, well, no, don't start that because uh, you're just, you just have negative thinking. What are you talking about negative thinking? There's, there's germs in this life. Give me a break. Some people will catch a cold. Some will get the flu. Some will end up in the hospital. But the difference is that when you go deep, then you have someone to call upon. The difference is that when it gets cold outside and you have to find the depths and the warmth of God's spiritual nature, you understand that he warms you up. You understand that you don't have to go at it alone. Know that when you're struggling on your job, you don't have to do it alone because you have gone deep and Jesus is deep. Now, Jesus is deep. Can you say amen? People say, isn't that deep? I said, no, that ain't deep. I said, Jesus is deep. Drink from the well of Jesus. You will never thirst again. Drink from the deep well of our Lord. You don't have to worry about men. Drink from the depths of the spiritual nature of God and you can leave all else behind knowing that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you for anyone or for anything that God is with you, Jesus says, all the way to the end of the age. You believe that? 